You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 42. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing? My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth, so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and today's episode is titled, A Wine Lover's Guide to Investing. Before we get to the topic, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want more resources, please go to bestinwealth.com. There you can click on the 10 steps to a better investing experience. This will help you start to gain an understanding of what real investing is like. Not gambling, not speculation, but real investing. The scientific approach to investing. You will also find at Best in Wealth all of the other episodes. And if you go to your favorite podcast app, do a search on Best in Wealth and subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. Hey, does anybody listening to this podcast watch the HBO show Last Week Tonight with John Oliver? This is a show that comes on HBO and he did a show a few weeks ago on investment advisors and 401k plans. It was so funny. He talked about his quest for trying to start a 401k plan for his company. And if you don't have HBO, like me, because you're frugal or cheap, I'm not sure. What is that? You don't have HBO. Does that make you frugal or cheap? I think frugal. And if you want to know what the heck I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode number 39. And you'll find out whether or not you are cheap or frugal. But go to YouTube or even just go to Google and type in the keywords John Oliver Retirement Plans. And if you do this, you'll be able to watch the clip on YouTube. The clip is a little over 21 minutes long. And while you're watching the clip, keep in mind this is exactly why I got into the business, to expose the way financial planning and investment planning has been done in the past and is continuously being done now, but that there is a small percentage of the population that, that are called investment advisors that do things differently, that are fiduciaries that don't charge commissions, that actually act in the client's best interest. So listen to the show, you will laugh, because John Oliver has a way to make all of these topics extremely funny, which is rare because these are pretty dry topics. But I want to give you a quick fair warning. If you do listen to the clip, there's a lot of cuss words on the John Oliver show. YouTube does a pretty good job of bleeping out a lot of these cuss words, but I just want to say, listener, be warned. 
And if you don't have time to watch the show, do not fret either because I, in the coming weeks, am going to do an entire show dedicated to John Oliver and his thoughts during this HBO show. All right, friends, let's get to the topic of the day. A wine lover's guide to investing. What the heck is that, you ask? I was inspired by Jim Parker of Dimensional Fund Advisors, and he wrote an article about this, and I thought it was extremely interesting the way he brought the correlations between making wine and investing. And usually we can start to grasp some of these harder concepts when we can compare one thing to another. Do you even like wine? And don't worry if you don't. I still feel like you will gain a lot of knowledge bombs throughout this show. I started liking wine in high school. Well, (laughs) that is if you count wine coolers. And mom, I hope you're not listening. But one day or one evening in high school, I drank so much beer, which probably was two or three or four beers, but I got so sick, which meant I didn't even want to look at, smell, drink, touch beer at all. And that's when I met my friend, the wine cooler. And before I met my wife, that's as close to wine as I got. But my wife, you see, she really likes wine. So we started going to different wine tastings, festivals. I started trying her wine. I started really enjoying wine, preferably red wine. But I don't know that much about wine. Here's what I do know. That a $10 bottle of wine usually, not always, tastes better than a $5 bottle of wine. In the $20 bottle of wine, well, I'm too frugal or cheap to even know what that tastes like because I'm not in that section at the liquor store. Truth be told, though, I love buying the 13 bottle of wine that's on sale for $10 and then going home and telling my wife I splurged on wine tonight. So really, I do not know all of the ins and outs when it comes to wine. I know what kind of wine I like. But I did some research, got some help from Jim Parker on this topic. Because savoring a vintage wine is one of life's great pleasures. There are so many people out there, people that might be listening today that just love really good wine. And when I go to these wine festivals and I taste these expensive, really good wines, man, I get what they're talking about. But often overlooked in the joy of consumption is the carefully calibrated journey from that grape all the way to the glass. And similar levels of care are absolutely critical to good investment outcomes. You see, a whole bunch of variables can determine whether a wine is great or just good, mediocre, or basically undrinkable. The kind of wine you drink and you have a headache an hour later. And all of these variables include things like the quality of the grapes, the soil, the position of the vineyard, the weather during the growing season, the irrigation, and the timing of the harvest. 
And that's just the growing of the grapes because picking the grapes isn't the end of it. The harvest must be sorted. The grapes are crushed and pressed and then fermented and clarified and aged and bottled. And at this stage of the process, a lack of attention to detail can spoil the final outcome of the wine. When done correctly, you have an unbelievably great glass of wine. Screw up a step or two and that wine becomes undrinkable. But as in winemaking, investment management requires so much attention to detail. Things like researching and identifying the dimensions of expected returns. I feel like if I interviewed a hundred people who call themselves investment advisors and I said on last week's episode that there's Almost 400,000 people in the U.S. that call themselves investment advisors. But if I interviewed a hundred of them and asked them what kind of research they've done into their investment philosophy, I will get very, very little because the investment industry was formed and started in Things like investment philosophy isn't talked about that much. What's talked about is how to sell products. It's still all about sales. But when research is done, it doesn't take very long to discover that there have been certain scientific discoveries. I mean, one great fact is that active management does a very poor job. I mean, that is an absolute fact. When you look at things like the SPIVA reports, go ahead and Google SPIVA reports. Or when you go to the Social Science Research Network and read these peer-reviewed research papers on active management versus passive management, it becomes quite clear that active management does not do a very good job. Even so, most investment products, mutual funds pushed today have active management in them because the investment advisor and the investment company make so much more money, charging commissions on these products and very high fees. Researching is key. And taking it beyond active versus passive and identifying dimensions of expected returns are huge. The value premium, the small premium, the profitability premium, they exist in the market. And designing strategies to capture these premiums I just talked about is taking things to a whole nother level. Building diversified portfolios is not a simple task. And then implementing all of this efficiently to keep the cost down considerably is crucial to giving you, the investor, the best chance for success. So just as winemakers don't have any say over the weather, investment managers cannot control the markets. So not every harvest or each year will produce an excellent vintage, but Expert professionals can still maximize their chances of success by putting their greatest efforts into things they can influence all those things that I just talked about. So for winemakers that may be taking extreme care in picking the grapes, 
at a time that delivers the desired balance of acidity and sweetness. And for investment managers, it can mean precisely targeting the desired premiums while ensuring sufficient diversification to lessen individual risk in the portfolio. Risk can be quantified. I can look at somebody's portfolio and all of their different investments and all of their different accounts and come up with a risk level, a number. When that number is known, now you can search for other portfolios, portfolios that are better diversified, portfolios that have all the asset classes, all the companies, all the countries, all the sectors that matter and that are tilted towards these premiums of small and value and profitability, all while keeping the risk level intact. See, winemaking is as much an art as a science. So while fermentation comes naturally, the winemaker must still guide the process using a variety of techniques to ensure the wine is as close as possible in style and flavor to what he or she is seeking to achieve. And similarly, in investments, real-world frictions mean that basing one's approach purely on a theoretical model is unlikely to be successful. For instance, trade-offs must continuously be made between the expected benefits of buying particular stocks and the expected costs of the transactions. Managing the effect of momentum and being mindful of tax considerations are among the other issues to be balanced. So once you, you get to the good side, and you stop paying attention to active management, and you move into index or index-type funds, we need to remember that not all index funds are created equal, and some of them have are lacking. There's tracking error. There's reconstitution only happening once a year. There's not a lot of flexibility. But using things like flexibility and incorporating momentum and continuously driving down costs will add extra value to your portfolio unlike a standard index fund. So just like in the wine, investment outcomes can be affected by a number of external events like the imposition of capital controls in an emerging market or changes in regulation or a severe financial crisis or major geopolitical event such as what we just witnessed in Britain last week. And incidentally, at the recording of this podcast, it took about one week to get right back where we started when last weekend everybody was freaking out this weekend we're right back where we started you see dealing with uncertainty and navigating the unknown unknowns are part of the job so investment managers like me must build into our processes a level of resilience through diversification for instance So there is sufficient flexibility to work around these unforeseen events. 
And ultimately, the benefits of discipline, the attention to detail, the flexibility that I talked about are so easy to overlook. And a lot of times we overlook them because we make the move from the active management over to the good side. But then we end up in some rigid index fund that is way better than that active management but not nearly as good as you could if you pay attention to the other scientific discoveries. See, and great ideas, these count for a lot, of course, but great ideas without efficient implementation can mean even the best grapes in the world go to waste. So what about you? Do you like wine? Maybe you do. Maybe that's not your drink of choice. Maybe you don't drink at all. And all of that is okay. The reason I wanted to just draw an analogy between something like wine and investments is so you can start to formulate in your head that this stuff should not be treated lightly. Do not blindly trust anyone to take care of your investments because when you pay attention to the details, such as diversification and cost and following the scientific discoveries and tilting portfolios and value and small and profitability, when you do that, you're setting yourself up for a better chance for success and that's what we want a better investing experience and if some of this starts to feel overwhelming to you keep on researching do not blindly trust anything never get into an investment that you don't understand Because chances are, if you don't, you're probably being taken and you're probably being overcharged for some investment product that is not in your best interest. Trust your instinct. Do not be sold anything. Be diligent in your search for an investment advisor. Someone that is actually acting in your best interest. All right, our time is up. I hope you'd enjoyed this analogy, a wine lover's guide to investing. If you have any questions, please email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. Until then, enjoy your day, enjoy your week, enjoy your wine, and I'll see you on the flip side. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.